Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. You are listening to DCPL's Into the Library Verse on Full Service Radio, broadcasting from the Line Hotel in Washington, D.C. My name is Will, and I'm joined by my co-host, Portia. Hey everyone, we have an exciting episode today in the Library Verse. It's all about music. Um, we'll be talking about the music archives of the D.C. Public Library and the impact of music has on D.C. culture. Um, we're also going to highlight some recent local activism that's been fueled by local music, Go-Go, um, which is our local music, <laughs> with Claire and Diamond, which is two library staff members. Say hello, you guys. Hi. Hello. Awesome. Um, so, Claire, uh, can you tell us real quickly uh, what your role is here at the library? Sure. I am a library associate, but I'm a floater library associate, so I move between all of the branches as needed, which is very interesting and very fast-paced. <laughs> and Diamond, you've been on with us before, yes. but um, for those that didn't hear that episode, what do you do here? Um, I work in the Outreach and Inclusion Services Department. It feels like a very long name. <laughs> um, but I partner with local organizations to get our services out into the world. Awesome. So let's start off with an icebreaker. If DC was a tea, what would it be? A tea. A tea. Like a drinking tea. A drinking tea. Wow, Portia. That's tough. That is tough. What about you, Claire? I know. I feel like (laughs) as a self-proclaimed tea expert, I should have an answer more readily available for this question. Um, I guess I would say... I hope that anybody who's listening to this doesn't feel like this is a shaded answer, but I would say that DC would be an herbal tea, which I sort of don't consider a real tea because (laughs) it's like very trendy and it has like a long, I feel like herbal teas have a long history of being an important component of different medical systems but is also very trendy and very fluid and can sometimes be full of nothing. So Ooh, that's, that's a good a answer. Good answer. I yeah. Know. I have a terrible shady answer. I know me too. <laughs> you first diamond. Um, I'm not a tea connoisseur, so I would just okay. say green tea just because that's all I know. Um, but green tea <laughs> is healthy for you. Wow. Weirdly. Right. So it's weird and it's healthy and that's a blend. So I would say green tea cause I have nothing else to say. <laughs> what about you? Will? Um, I hope I don't offend anybody. I, w- I would think it's a black tea because everyone is hyper caffeinated and like running around with their heads cut off and very anxious. Yeah. Mm. I would feel like DC is a Lipton ish inspired Kermit the Frog tea. I was going oh. to say that. Yep, that's what I feel. A little shady little day-to-day <laughs> that's what i feel like bc would be um and i feel like that kind of translates into the music as well because uh, like we all mentioned different teas and how we view dc and how do you guys view like the dc music scene as it currently stands or do we have a scene okay so first of all i'm not from dc right. um but when i think of dc music i think of go-go that's just how it is i know it's a lot of punk here too and i 
discovered that working here at DCPL, but that's the first thing I think of. Um, I just started to like GoGo personally, and from the last show, you may or may not know I am from Baltimore, so there can be a divide there. So just naturally, I can't like GoGo or DC. <laughs> but being here for like five years, I mean, I can see how it's definitely the DC scene or, or how it can be taken as the music of this area. So I think it's the scene. I am also not from DC, but when I was moving here uh, four years ago now, um, I feel like everybody was talking to me about the go-go scene. And then when I got here, I feel like I realized that there was a whole punk scene that I didn't know about. So I, I am curious about how those scenes exist simultaneously and do or do not complement one another historically and currently, I guess. What's interesting, too, I mean, a lot of people have come from here, though. So I don't know. I mean, and it's interesting that I guess they didn't build the scene here. Because Marvin Gaye's from here, right? Mm-hmm. And a couple of other people that I can't remember, but I know they're pretty big. Um, but if you think about the people that are from here, if we want to say that's a scene or because we've grown those people from here, I don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say definitely like Chuck Brown is resonant with DC. Yes. Um, and we have a statue of Chuck Brown in. Northeast DC, near the Woodbridge Library, I believe. It's actually around the corner of the Woodbridge Library. Yeah. Um, and he is the godfather of Gogo. That's his like title name, um, and that's. I feel like DC has always been a city of change, but I feel like there's different sets of the city, like you said before, like where where does the scene play and how does it kind of conflict with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do have a punk scene and you do also have this go-go scene and they're two very different scenes and they live on two different sides of the city mm-hmm. entirely. Um, and recently I feel like go-go has had a second coming, a second life, um, a second wind to it in a sense, whereas the punk archive, um, even experienced through DCPL, things are changing and declining, yeah. um, which we see with the black cat. Um, did you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I, I wouldn't consider myself like a DC punk expert or something, but I know a lot of people that are really into it. So I'm punk adjacent. How about that? <laughs> um, but yeah, the Black Cat uh, has been struggling financially, um, even though they own their own building, right? So they're they are shrinking the size of the club and they're going to start renting out some of the other spaces. So, you know, the, the face of the, the city is, is changing and that's impacting the music that, um, that we have access to, like as far as live music goes. Um, and then as well, you know, DC has often had lots of uh, house punk shows, you know, yeah. as, as group houses are getting priced out. You know, a lot of that scene, as far as I can tell, is moving to Baltimore, um, where it's affordable. Right. And that's actually interesting to bring up, because before I got here, I had a colleague mention um, their group lease and how that impacts the entire house. And I'm just like, this is amazing how people live in the city and how we view gentrification as one aspect. And we don't think about how it impacts everyone, regardless of... I, f- I feel like a lot of people with like skin color to identification, and I feel like there's a certain point where it's like, 
Sure, but also there's this aspect of just having um, class and wealth, and that is like a more of a driving factor in the city because a lot of professions that do come to work here, because let's be honest, like DC and our wage wages as DC government employees as well as DC, like we haven't come so far because we moved up the minimum wage, but there's still a huge difference um, between incomes, especially to the federal level. Um, and just to think about the fact that people who are professionals still are not able to survive in the city and they have to live in group housing and then you're going to have to depend on other people to be able to afford their part of the rent just for you to make it month by month which is a scary thing I think in any yeah um I think you know it's hard because it is a class issue but the reality is that class is very much tied into race. Right. Um, and not to say that there is just one race that's affected, but there is a majority right. um, that's there. And I think um, a lot of the talks that we have, we, we don't like to say race. We don't like to say black. We don't like to say white. We say gentrified. You know, that's like the cool term to say, and that's a safe word to say. Um, but when you see... Um, people doing their activism, most of those people look like what, you know? Um, so not to say that class is not an issue, but I don't want to kind of knock race out of the conversation because it's not safe to say, because mm -hmm. that's what being gentrified and all those things mean, you know, so. I can agree to that. I just don't yeah. want it to be like also like a leading point with it as well. Yeah, I mean, but it is, unfortunately. And I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to, debate it or I'm not trying to right. but that is a big factor because if it weren't <laughs> it would look like a skittles bag of everyone you know speaking out or talking about how they don't have a home or how and even to have a home and to have to be able to have a group house I mean <laughs> right. a lot of people can't even do that mm -hmm. so that is true yeah I guess this kind of speaks into like the incident that happened in Shaw recently mm -hmm. um, at the NPS store. Ooh, I might just be saying that wrong. Metro the Metro PCS, PCS yes, store. That's the NPS. What store is that? Words. It's a cell phone store? Yes. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm stuck on Sprint. It's, it's, you know, it's living life. So um, there's a Metro PS in Shaw. And it's funny because I, I grew up in D.C. Um, and I never went to Shaw too much. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I did in the city. I was everywhere. Um, but I'm a D.C. native, and one thing I will definitely say is you would hear go-go music kind of spewing out from the carry-out. Well, at least my carry-out did. Mm. <laughs> and then you would have, like, the corner stores. Um, when I was younger, there was a store called Four Seasons that was near me on Dakota. They would have go-go music, you know, all the time. And that's where you kind of go to hang out, get your little Jolly Ranchers and your little dollar candy when yeah, it was a dollar. It's no longer a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so what happened recently in Shaw was at the Metro PCS, they were asked to kind of turn down their music. Yeah. Um, and there was complaints. And, of course, wow. the community rose to the occasion. And it's like, this is not okay. And this is how Mochella kind of got started. Are you guys familiar with Mochella yeah. at all? Yeah. Okay. And um, Machella was organized, and this is based on the Washingtonian article by Elliot Williams, was organized by Justin Johnson, who is an artist activist behind Long Live Go Go, a social media movement that actually uh, predates the Metro P, uh, PCS incident that occurred. And I thought it was something important to kind of talk about because I have gone to their midnight barbecue that they had recently. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I've also was at one of their events they had in front of the Reeves building. And so I kind of just think it's important to see how people are taking music and making it a form of activism and saying, like, this is our culture. This is something we want to preserve. Um, as a D.C. resident, I'm always like, yeah, I love Go-Go. And I'm also like, what Go-Go band can I name? Because I, I definitely listen to more J. Cole now than anything else. And I'm just like, but I'm here and I'm from D.C. and I want to represent my culture. And I do realize this is something that was made here. Um, so I think that's important to kind of discuss as well. Yeah. I, I can jump. I'm sorry. I'm chatting a lot. Um, well, here's the thing. Um, it's definitely a cultural piece. And I know when I drive past that store, since I've been here, it's, I've just known that store to play go-go out loud. That's just how it is, right? And I know that you talked about not being able to name like a group. Like I can't either. But it's just the feel. Right, I know it, the sound. Yeah, it's just go. the sound. It's just the culture. And I think what happened in that incident where people were tired. People were tired of, of saying like, okay, so that's gone, that's gone, that's gone. And I don't, I don't know what it was, but to tell someone, no, I know exactly what that was. Um, the, the building that's across the street is new DC, in quotes, right. Right? right? So it was very symbolic to say like, I'm, I'm new here. I know nothing about this culture. I know nothing about this area. I'm telling you to stop what you're doing. I'm telling you to stop being you. And I think people were just tired because people talk about this a lot. They talk about it in DC, Baltimore, San Fran, all these places. But I think that people are done talking about it. You know, people are losing their homes, losing all types of things, right? So the one last thing is the music. Like, no, 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 we're not going to do that at all. And I think people are just done. And to see people come out like that, I mean, across, right. well, it was, huge. it was huge. It was huge. I mean, I had people calling me. I had friends calling me from everywhere. Like, are you there? I was like, actually, I'm at home because I'm <laughs> tired from work. But it was just beautiful to see that yeah. people are like, I'm not just talking, I'm doing. And that movement, they are going hard. And I think it's an interesting thing because when we come to like politics, we don't see that same crowd with like younger people. But when it comes to something that's relatable, yes. like music, it's like now you see the crowds. Now you see the people that are like turning 18, 19, 20 and who are impacted because now I can't find a job and now I can't find a job and live in the city that I grew up in or, or listen to my music. Or listen to my music. <laughs> you know, like just the and yeah, and it's like something that's like you're taking something away from me that's always been innate in me like I always had like this music this is always a part of me I've had dances around this I have like food culture kind of comes to play when it comes to music as well so it's like now everything in my world is changing and you're making it change and I feel like a big part of that is just like I was reading signs when I was um at the uh, Mochella uh, at Reeves and just kind of say, why do you have new condos? Why is there new coffee shops? Like, why is this here? And it's not affordable housing. And this is in the central of the city. And most people who work at the stores surrounding, they're not, you know, you're not making like grand salaries to live in like pricey, you know, condos. You, you're trying to get by. And when you're trying to get by, why are you pricing people out where they need to work? Yeah. And that's also um, something that happened and was uh, talked about in the uh, article that I found about the black cat. Um, so there was an article about the black cat by a, um, and I'm sorry if I, I butcher your name because I do apologize, by a Labanya Ramanathan. 
on September 12th, um, and this article kind of just talked about why there was such a, why, like, employees can no longer come to work. Like, why are your employees being priced out? Like, what's happening to the punks? Where are the punks? Where are they going? Where are they listening to music now? And even when it comes to Go-Go, like, Go-Go's no longer being played here as much, so where yeah. are you going to listen to that? And my theory is, like, festivals are, like, the new place to, like, listen to music. I'm also curious about if festivals, which tend to happen, like, during the day, and they tend to span an entire day, how that, and I don't know this for sure, but maybe is born out of the fact that, I mean, our transportation system basically encourages the 9-to-5 professional job and does not help people who work in the service industry who, on a weekday, are out past... 11 o'clock or 11.30 when the metro closes and can't get to work or can't get to and from work and can't afford to take an Uber or Lyft to and from work. Oh, and our, the hours of, even on the weekends, like the hours of the metro system are just in direct contrast with the needs of the people who are riding it mm-hmm. at these, uh, uh, at the margins, so to speak, of coming in really early and leaving really late. But it's like thriving. And I mean, even the new, the metro's new promise is all about cutting down the rush hour commute time and it's so focused on people who work the nine to five and it's so focused on professional people and almost encourages people to come to this town for that and so I wonder too how then um, music festivals which happen throughout the day and are maybe easier to get to on metro when it's running more regularly than when you go to a concert that goes until midnight and then you know on a Thursday night and then you have to find a bus or find somewhere else another way to get home and you know I never thought about that and I feel like it's a good point to bring up and I honestly have so many issues with Fumata I would say a couple years ago they closed down the blue line and I live off the blue line I was like well how do you expect like all these people who are Maryland adjacent to get to work like and Mm -hmm. now that they're closing the yellow line close like six stations I believe Mm -hmm. um and blue and blue there you go yeah yeah but it's the opposite of that sign of blue now so it's like (laughs) (laughs) um it's crazy to think about now you have groups of people that are these are like people in the suburbs that's harder to get to but more affordable it's like now they can't get to work or now there's like an issue and like you said before, it only kind of tailors to the nine to five um, professionals. And what about why can't we not be like New York? Like, why cannot we be open 24 mm-hmm. hours? Why can we not only pay upon interest? There's so many things I feel like Metro can improve upon. And I get it. Like, I get it from their stance of like, we want to do this and we want it this way. But also, when are you going to make it easier for the people that live here? I'm curious if it's going to get better now that Metro, for the first time in its existence, has dedicated funding and has now funding from Maryland, Virginia, and DC. Like, is that when, when it's never had that before? And I'm curious if it's going to impact its ability to increase its services at different times and improve the quality of those services? Or is it just going to continue to cater to the young professional world? Or I shouldn't necessarily young, but the professional world. I think it depends on the transition that's kind of happening now. Like now we have uh, more businesses that are coming into Virginia. So they're going to need that access because if you, because you know about the bidding that was happening for, oh my God, I can't remember that company. Amazon. Amazon. There we go. Oh, I'm sorry, Amazon. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. That's today. Today Prime. So sorry. Um, But yes, for Amazon, uh, there was a bidding to have it, whether in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia. And of course, Mm -hmm. Virginia won that bidding. Um, And they're now going near Pentagon, Crystal City area. Yeah. 
Um, so now you're doing this work before all this kind of gets set into launch because I feel like that has to be part of it in some way, right? Mm -hmm. To kind of make sure these metro uh, stations will run correctly for when um, Amazon does come, it's supposed to shake up a lot of things. And I also feel like the new professionals, and not even just professionals, it's like people who work in most front-facing positions, their schedule is, they work on like flex schedules. Like I would say myself, I work a flex schedule, so I work 10 to 7. So I'm kind of beating out that morning rush hour and I'm after the late rush hour. Yeah. And so I think it just depends on what the new idea of professionalism is and how they can tailor to people who have like a flex schedule. And it'd be awesome if Amada could have a survey about like, when do you go to work? When do you need these trainings to actually work and run? I feel like that would be nice. I worked 10 to 7 at the Southwest Library last week, and I left at 7, and I went to catch a train at the Waterfront Station, which is where it's the closest station to the Southwest Library, and I waited 13 minutes for a train at 7 o'clock, which Mm -hmm. is not, you know, the last train. I mean, and it was fine, but that, if it was 5 o'clock, they would not have a train running every 13 minutes. Right. And then imagine if you have to transfer, mm-hmm. like to go to LaFont or Gallery or whatever. And Does that feel like a long time? Hmm? Is, is that like a long time for you? I feel or like for? it's a long time for it only being just after rush hour. Hmm. Okay. Me too. See, hmm. I feel like this, this is a very, like, D.C. major area kind of issue because mm-hmm. to me that doesn't feel too long for me. I also drive, um, so I just hop on and I hop off. And even some of the lines being closed is for safety reasons, right, or for them to fix things. Um, And I go back and forth as well of being like, why don't you have these open, like, what's happening? But, I mean, it's for safety, right? And I put that in quotes because it could be for other. Well, taking 13 minutes is not for safety. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is that long? I mean, honestly, is that long? I feel like that's a long time. I feel like after 10, you could go to like every 13 mm-hmm. minutes or something. But I feel like that's still within the span of, let's say you went to work and went to grocery shopping. Now seven, like now to wait 13 minutes. 13 Because normally seven? they run like every two, yeah. three, four, you know, like they run every couple of minutes during major yeah. rush hour times. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the perk of being here. Like, D.C. has a great metro system, in my opinion, because you can, I mean, honestly, like, I feel like you can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, there are places where you have to wait a very long time and you can barely go anywhere at all. You know what I'm saying? I feel like based off of our size, we should be more akin to, like, Chicago, New York. If we're going to talk about, like, metro systems and being yeah. more transient and having people in here and trying to have people live and, like, transfer around the city, yeah. I feel like that's something where we need to be better on yeah. that aspect and yeah. that front. And I also feel like we should be 24 hours. Also, I think especially because a lot, most people in the city don't live where they work. Yeah. Right? So they're commuting all over the city for work and either coming from Virginia or Maryland suburbs on the outside in yeah. or coming from a different neighborhood to work in another neighborhood Mm -hmm. like it's just not as reliable as other like I'm from Chicago and they aren't 24 hours but they're open till like 4 a.m and they just run more consistently and more Mm -hmm. regularly and it's so much easier for people in the service industry 
to get to and from work using public transportation that we pay for and our taxes pay for. And we and we here pay a lot of money for it, especially because it's unique to DC where we pay based on the distance for how we travel. Yeah. When right. you use the system in Chicago, you just pay once and that's it, regardless of how far you're going. And that's the same for New York as well. I you just pay that. once. But but it is interesting to think how, you know, the metro system and then the Mark train um, and then what's the Virginia train? What is that? Oh, Virginia doesn't count. We don't. Whatever. <laughs> I'm, just think, I'm just thinking about all the trains that come in, just, just the way in which we're, we live in an interconnected society now, right? Yeah. And that um, is another stressor, right, on, on the local environment here. Um, you know, going back as well to the, the, the music scene, you know, we have people from all over the world moving here to D.C. And then we have people that don't live in D.C. that are coming in on the trains to, to go to work. Um, you, know, uh, obvi- uh, you know, people that come into the library, they don't have to be a D.C. resident to, to get the library card. You know, they can live in an adjoining county. Or they can just work in D.C. and they're eligible for that card, right? right? So, like, we encounter these people every day. And just, I don't know, I just think about how, you know, as we, as we sit here and, and talk about, um, about the, the metro and, and ways in which I think all of us have been inconvenienced by it. <laughs> but just also thinking how, how the metro itself is is a factor in changing the dynamic of this city. Um, I don't know. No, I agree with you, because I will definitely say this. I feel like when I'm on Metro, I would say how I know I'm transferring between different areas of the city is what music I hear when I get yes. off at the stop. Yes. Because <laughs> at French and Pites, I'm going to hear some little do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> and when I get off the gallery, I'm hearing some go-go in the corner. I'm going to hear it. <laughs> yeah. And I love it wherever I go. I love hearing the music. And even when I'm on the Metro... And, of course, in the library, you cannot play your music out loud, you know, for everybody's sake. But when you're in the Metro, people play their um, boombox and kind of listen. Boombox, oh, my God, I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) I put my phone on loud, and I listen to my music. Um, (laughs) And so, basically, you end up hearing a lot of different things. And that's even when I'm driving, because I drive as well, I hear a lot of different music when I'm just driving down the street. Um, So, I usually drive down Florida Avenue. And recently, I think it was like last week, I had this, I was playing Middle Child by Mm -hmm. J. Cole. Mm -hmm. And um, it was 1985. I felt like it was Middle Child. Um, I was driving down the street, and this guy honked his horn. And he's like, hey, what are you listening to? I'm like, J. Cole. He's like, no, none of the song. It's like Middle Child. And he's like, okay, I got to put this on my playlist. And I'm just like, wow. Like, just kind of interactions. We're not trying to have those interactions, but you're just kind of like, yeah, like someone appreciates what I'm listening to. Someone's wanting to listen. And there's this whole thing behind of community behind music. And I will definitely say, like, I feel like the festivals are that community and they're that experience. And that's why we're kind of moving towards that a bit more. Because um, we do have concerts in the city and they're, they're popular. But I feel like actually having a day-long festival where you can kind of just be there all day with people that are like-minded and kind of just have this set of, I want to hear this and I want to be part of this and I want to be with other people that also want to experience this. It's a powerful thing. And like I said before, Broccoli Fest just happened recently. And I know um, Outreach was there for Broccoli Fest. Um, And we've also had the uh, Funk Parade, which I know, Claire, that you attended as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you guys tell us about those experiences? Yeah, so um, I attended Broccoli Fest twice. Um, The first year I went, I just went as an attendee. Um, And it it was beautiful. 
I mean, just like you said, people are all there for the same reason. Um, and I mean, it was it was great. I mean, I, that was my first. No, no, that was my first. That was my third festival. And I've attended Afropunk before, Broccoli Fest, and some other one that's not as big. Um, <laughs> But you just meet friends there, and you guys just connect over sound, and I think that's great. Um, last year, I couldn't find any of my friends. That's how packed it was, and I ended up becoming good friends with my Uber mate, and we're still cool now. Hmm. Um, and when I went with Outreach, um, it was a different experience because I was you know, at work. Um, but that's a place to bring friends, to meet friends, to meet the love of your life, because some people actually leave with a boo thing. Um, and just for me, live music is just the most beautiful thing, because you get to see the art up front, and you can feel the energy like in the space, right? I mean, sometimes it's so tight, and sometimes you just can't breathe, and you're like, okay, you are breathing on my ear, and it's too much. But everyone's so happy. And um, it's also, it brings a lot of business here, right? There are people that I met that came from San Fran, that came from like all over, like to DC, you know? And what they do at most of these festivals is that they bring out like the hometown people first, which I think would be interesting if they had them last just to kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, bring it out. But it's a business, so you're gonna bring out the huge people first. Um, But it's a great time, and I think that you know, it's not my scene always, but everyone should experience it at some point, you know, to get the vibes, so. Yeah, I did go to the Funk Parade this year. I will say I hadn't been in the past, but I can imagine that this year, or I felt like I could feel the electricity of everything that had been going on with Don't Mute DC Mm -hmm. leading up to this parade. Again, I didn't go to it before, but I imagine that it was so different this year um and it felt so charged and so it felt like there was just so much joy coursing through the streets in all different ways um and even when it started pouring so everybody got soaked and even when it was pouring and a lot of people were leaving or trying to take cover in the metro like music was still playing people were still dancing people were still laughing and smiling and hugging and crying and it was just like such a powerful I felt as somebody going for the first time it was such a powerful experience to and I only went with one other person and I didn't really know anybody else there but it was such a powerful thing to feel like I was in this community even though I didn't know any of these people Mm -hmm. and I didn't have a relationship with new musicians or anything like that and there were thousands of people and even like as it kind of died down and then there were various like satellite events so to speak in different bars and we walked around and went to different places. It still just felt like it a, a community that I had access to and was being enveloped into, even though I didn't know anybody. And I like that. I feel like music is not only just community, but it's also family, too. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I would definitely say, <laughs> did you mention the Funk Parade? And I, I love the Funk Parade. It's been around for about seven years. Um, but also on top of that, my dad, um, who's also a native D.C. resident, he loves the Funkadelics. 
Oh. Yes. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the Funkadelics, mm-hmm. but my dad is like really into the Funkadelics. And so every time there's like the funk parade happening or just a Sunday when I was a child, mm. he's like making eggs, like just like making a hard fried egg. And then you got the Funkadelics playing in the background <laughs> on the record. So not even like a CD. <laughs> yeah. um, and I just think it's powerful to think about like when you're at home with your family, your um, mother, father, guardian, uncle, whoever, it's like you're hearing music. And music is a big part of, of your life. And just kind of. Uh, my best friend is Salvadorian, and every time I go to her house and she's making food, it's like you hear Salvadorian music, and she's like, "Oh, do you like this?" I'm like, "Yeah, I love it." Like I'm just, you're just on a vibe, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's the most powerful thing about it. Like music doesn't really have, um, you anyone can like it, anyone can like anything, anytime, and and love it, and kind of and catch that like, "Ooh, now I feel connected mm-hmm. to everyone that's in this room who's hearing the song at the exact same time as myself." Yeah. And I feel like that's a powerful thing for music to do. And the fact that now it's led to activism where people are taking this and they're like, okay, well, I know that if I like this music and there's others that like this music and we all relate to this in some way, then now we can use this driving force to get other people into it and not only get them into it, but like move as one where we can show a voice where we didn't have one before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I feel like that's a powerful thing behind Mochella. It's the fact that now there's a voice, now there's a thing. Like, who calls something Mochella? Like, I was like, you I cannot be more DC than call it. something Mochella. Yeah. <laughs> I died. When I saw the name, I died. I was like, ooh, weak in the knees. I, like, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so if, if many of you guys don't know, uh, like, Mo is a very common phrase in DC, like, when I was hey, younger. Mo. Mm-hmm. Mo. Yeah, right. It's like, it's that's okay. just how you say it. <laughs> and then you got Cella that's named after the other big festivals. Um, so I think that, like Coachella, of course, that's like one of the most major ones. Um, so I think it's cool to just combine something together, make something um, totally unique to D.C. that can only be explained in D.C. Yeah. and just kind of lead with that, uh, which is a very powerful thing as well. Music is the soundtrack of our lives. Like, and that's so corny <laughs> and so Disney Channel, but it, it is. And I again, I, I think it's very much you and I think that's what people are really going after is like I don't want to lose me I don't want to lose where I come from I don't want to lose my culture like I think about um when I was very young and this in a lot of black families when you would clean up your mom would turn on the music and it's a joke online like once the gospel comes on you already know it's time to scrub and wash and all that right and I think about that and I think about how that I can connect with my friends about that or how you were just talking about your dad. I'm like, my dad loved Roy Ayers and he loved this person and loved that person, right? So I didn't know anything about that, but you told us that and I'm like, wow, we can connect, right? right. Um, and I drove here, I was playing Megan Thee Stallion, who is my new favorite artist. I love her, she's great, she's great. Porsche's making a face. Ooh, face. She's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it gets you through the day and I think that's what, um, all of these things are just doing. It's just trying to keep people alive and trying to keep people up and at them and keeping DC what it is. Um, and I think it's great to grow, but it's also great to have your roots. Yeah. And that's what I think this is, is trying to do. And DC Public Library is also trying to do that as well. Yeah. So they have the Punk Archive. Yes. And we also have the Go-Go Archive as well. So if you do not know, we do have those things as part of our collection. Um, and one thing, the mission for Washingtoniana, which kind of... Uh, fosters and facilitates those archives. Um, The mission is to collect, preserve, and provide access to those sources that document the history and culture of local DC. 
And so, of course, it's a part of our special collections within the D.C. public library system. And you are able to go online and actually review everything that's being done with the Punk and Go-Go archive. I encourage everyone to kind of look at it and just yeah. see what's going on. Well, and the cool thing is, is some of the stuff in these archives has actually been digitized. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can access that through um, Dig DC. Uh, I think we link to that from the uh, the library website. Yes. So it's it's a really cool thing. We and also, also we're also correct me if I'm wrong, um, cataloging or keeping tr- track of or archiving. I guess would be the word. All of the tweets and um, don't mute DC. Yeah, yeah, all the don't mute DC and yeah, all the don't mute DC tweets. So are those accessible yet? Do we have? Does anybody know if the, that collection is? I'm not sure yet. Like ongoing, or if they're kind of waiting to collect the majority of them now and then. Yeah, I think it's still in its yeah. baby stages, I, like I believe. But okay. I think. No, I'm not too sure. I'm yeah. definitely say we have. We were trying to get more. Um, Washingtoniana to be a part of this uh, show in particular. However, they're super busy right now because all the stuff that's happening with music yeah, and, we, and we get it. <laughs> we get it. We're like, okay, well, we're going to do without you guys, but mention you guys. Um, but I think it's interesting that they want to do that um, because music takes more, it's more than just physical music, right? It's more than just the images. It's now there's Twitter, which wasn't a thing a long yeah. time ago. Like, 20 years ago, Twitter was not a thing. So the fact that you can have a hashtag that you're using on Twitter and on Instagram and people are linking and being able to connect and actually experience music, because I had no idea about the Midnight Barbecue that mm-hmm. Long Live uh, Go-Go was having yeah. until I was on Instagram. I said, let me, let me look this up. Let me kind of like go into Instagram and see what's happening. And I was able to see like, oh, wow, this is like, this is a trend. This is huge. This is bigger than I thought it was. Um, so I think it's interesting that DCPL, DC Public Library System, is encouraging um, this mission to like preserve music and to preserve everything that kind of surrounds music within DC and help with DC culture. Well, not help with DC culture, but help preserve DC culture. And I want to know, how do you guys preserve music that you guys own? Yeah. Can I say this? Um, mm-hmm. I definitely encourage people to explore the hashtag as well. And we talked a lot about Twitter and Instagram. That's where I learned so much about what's happening. Again, I'm, I'm not from here and I'm not as in tuned as I would like. But, you know, you're online all the time and you can honestly find everything um, there. So the hashtag is don't mute DC. Yes, don't mute DC. Right. And you can find that on Instagram, Twitter. And just, um, there are a few people, I don't know if I can plug them, but they're doing a lot of work behind them, but oh, cool. I'll plug them at some point um, in the show. So, yeah. And there's also another hashtag, which is long live go-go. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So just for educational purposes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and there's this really cool event that's totally related to what we're talking about coming up. Um, so, um, DCPL is hosting an offsite event. Um, let's see. It's actually going to take place at the National Gallery of Art. Um, but basically on June 30th at 2 p.m., um, one of our archivists is, um, uh, let's see, a- a- actually, and um, Andrew White, who's a local music legend, they're going to, um, actually, I. I I'm totally just throwing this together as I'm saying it. But basically, um, there's an abbreviated history of Washington, D.C. Um, arts venues. Uh, I'm assuming that will include 
some talk about um, music venues um, that's going to be happening on June 30th at 2 p.m. at the National Gallery of Art. You know, um, as we talk about different spaces, how spaces are closing and and um, we're, you know, we think about what we're losing as the city changes. Um, I think it's really cool, like you were talking about how the archives are preserving that history. Um, and so we also have these presentations that um, seek to preserve that history as well. Yeah, so. I think it's cool. Look, look at DCPL doing good things yeah. in life. <laughs> also, just for some other upcoming events, we have on June 7th through the 16th, the DC Jazz Festival. I'm excited. Ooh. I don't know about you guys, but I'm super excited. saxophone. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so June 8th, we have Summerfest DC, which is beer, wine, and music and arts festival. That sounds exciting. I feel like I've been to that, so I'll probably go there again. And then July 6th and 7th, you have the Washington, D.C.'s Immigrant and Refugee Music Festival. So also check out these events as well. Um, I think the last one was at the Echo Stage. But like I said, just go ahead and um, look for these events. These are all local D.C. events that are happening that include music from this area, okay? And just music at large, because we also like all types of music. Not just (laughs) go-go. Not just (laughs) go-go. It's it's other stuff, too. Um, but back to like preserving, I said when you uh, kind of like own music. I don't own music anymore. I kind of stream everything. I have Spotify for life, so mm-hmm. I don't. I still buy CDs. I find them mostly at thrift stores. Like I just like to have them. I miss my Apple iTunes when it was just like in its first stages where I could just like burn everything and put it on there. Now it's Apple Music, I don't the miss app. Online. Ooh, that's a throwback. Yeah, I used to get all the viruses, so I yeah, did not miss that. But no. I had all the songs. <laughs> like, um, but now, I mean, to be honest, like, I don't have anything, and I hate that because I always think about in the future, I would love to come back and have a whole archive of songs that I'm obsessed with. And I, I, you can't do that because you have to pay ten dollars a month for it. Right. Mm. I feel bad because I always like my dad. He has all these like records. Yes. He has like hundreds of records, and I'm just like I. My music is literally on a phone, mm-hmm. and that's all I have. Mm-hmm. And then I don't have a sense of sharing or preserving. So it's interesting that we do do that, but also we don't teach other people how to preserve music yeah. or the why we should even have our own music. Because if like your phone breaks or if anything happens, like and you, I know I worked really hard on my first Apple. Uh, playlist and now it's just gone mm-hmm. so that's unfortunate. I worked really hard I was like yeah. 16 and I was just oh my gosh. well and th- <laughs> this is something too we will occasionally have you know personal archiving classes offered at various libraries throughout the system um that it's just something that people that don't they just don't think about you know you assume that Facebook is going to last forever right and so it's going to preserve all of your pictures mm-hmm. well do you remember MySpace right like it's <laughs> basically my jam i mean it's still there but is could do you remember your password i, I was don't gonna just say that no i don't remember mine so no, i can't access any of that it's gone and then you know and, and then as well you, you have your of course password. does oh <laughs> no wow. no i'm just like myspace got creepy because you had that one friend that was always there yeah and you're like i didn't add you yeah. are you are you already <laughs> in my friends list i think that's where myspace went wrong and then <laughs> um you know file types change you know um mp3s are mm-hmm. no longer supported by the the 
entities that initially created that file type, right? Right. Um, and I have CDs. What yeah. about CD players? And you remember floppy disks? Good luck yeah. finding a, a, a thing to plug that into, right? So, so it's it's important to think about you know how do we ha- store our music, or more importantly, maybe well, actually not more importantly, equally important, your your personal photos of your family, your grandma, you know, um, because things change. Um, and so if this is something that interests you, um, we have staff in the system that would be happy to talk to you about that. Um, we do. We have the memory lab that is located at the Northeast library. Yeah. Um, so if you're ever interested in preserving your local history or preserving anything else that you find to be very very important, like pet photos. We love those. And and then, you know, if you are somebody that's lived in town forever and you went to go-go shows and you kept the posters from the shows you went to, you can donate that stuff, um, I I, I believe, to Washingtoniana. Yes. So you would want to go online to D.C. Public Library, um, and then you would be able to go... uh, There's an email address, actually, for Washingtoniana that you would be able to contact saying like hey i have some things i hear that mlk is opening yeah so that when it does opening you do have a collection um so i think it's great to just know that the community we are part of the community and we want to show the community and if you have things that are beneficial and show the dc history and dc culture that you can always show and share with us so be able to kind of promote your history as well as dc culture at large um so we're actually winding down on time, and oh, I'm so bummer. sad because this has been a very, very great episode, especially since we've been focusing on music, um, which is my personal favorite pastime of all, of all, right? Um, so one thing I just kind of wanted to lead away with is that I hope you guys listen to your music with, uh, you know, a new sense of purpose, and you see it as a new, new insight, a new. Uh, like, how do you now view music? Just think about a little bit more and how do you preserve your music? Just think about, like, what do you want to do with stuff that you currently have in your playlist? And that's my big takeaway. Um, other than that, this has been an episode of Into the Libraryverse on Full Service Radio, broadcast live from the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Um, please visit dclibrary.org to learn more about the library programs and services. Follow us on Instagram at DC Public Library. We are on Instagram (laughs) and on Twitter at DCPL. Listen and download the show wherever you listen to your podcast by searching for Full Service Radio. Once again, thank you, Claire and Diamond, for joining us. And it's always a pleasure, Will. It's good to see you. Thank you.